Hi, I'm Deirdre Veldon and this is Confronting Coronavirus, a daily podcast on the COVID-19 outbreak. Monday, May 18th is the first day of the first phase in a possible route out of lockdown and some retailers, including hardware shops and garden centres, were allowed to reopen. How about yourself? I'm just in to get compost. Just compost, in and out? In and out, two, three minutes, that's it. Consumer Affairs correspondent Conor Pope went along to one such retailer and found staff well organised and customers taking a brisk and business-like approach to their shopping, which is just as well since dawdling is now strictly forbidden. Connor, I can think of a great number of things I prefer to have been doing today other than queuing outside a garden centre or a homeware store. But it was a big day and you went to one of those outlets. What was it like? Yeah, I mean, it's funny to think that there would be a queue forming outside a Woody's or a B&Q or a home base on a dreary Monday morning. But that was the experience where I went. I went to a home base on the Old Nace Road and it was an experience replicated across the country because for the first time in seven weeks, hardware shops and gardening centres were allowed to open their doors. Hi, yeah, Connor Pope is my name. I'm from the Irish Times. How are you getting on? I'm fine. Yeah? yeah? yeah. So you've got the honour of being the first person into home base. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'll probably just go all the way down the queue, so (laughs) might as well start at the first. And when when I arrived there at around quarter to nine, the shop was due to open at nine o'clock, there was 45 people in the queue. Are you excited to to be able to get in and get some stuff? Yeah, it's good. I've been locked out of my allotment for the last seven weeks. Yeah, I've uh, heard a lot about that. Yeah, so uh, we're delighted to get back and do a bit of growing. And it was all very well managed and very ordered, and there was tape uh, every two metres delineating where people should stand. What are you here to buy today? Furniture. What? Garden furniture. And you're here very early? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, we've been waiting weeks for it, so. But there wasn't any of that frivolity or excitement that you might expect during a winter sale period when the same kind of queuing is always to be seen. Um, everyone just stood there somberly. How are you getting on? How are you doing? And then at the appointed hour, at one minute to nine o'clock, the doors opened. I'm going into the garden section. Brilliant. That's perfect. Thank you very much. There was another staff member standing there saying, there's the disinfectant, there are the cloths, there's the latex gloves. What is it you're looking for? And then people would say, I'm looking for garden furniture or I'm looking for compost or whatever it might be. And the staff member would point them in the direction of what they wanted. And that was the opening gambit in this new world in which we were living. That's what retailing in this kind of space now looks like. I hope you didn't skip the queue, Connor. Um, did you get a sense? <laughs> did you get a sense that people were there because their houses are falling down after weeks of hard use, or were they dickying up their houses, as Simon Harris might say? Um, I'd say there's a combination of both. I mean, I think there is an awful lot of pent up demand amongst consumers because for the last six or seven weeks, the only places that people have been able to go to spend money and to buy have been supermarkets and pharmacies. So this was an opportunity for people to go and buy other things. So um, you, there wasn't any kind of exuberance to it or joy to it. I think it was a very much a utilitarian experience. People were going there because they needed to buy stuff to do a particular task that they'd set themselves. So it might have been somebody buying a garden fence. Now, I don't think anybody buys a garden fence with anything close to alacrity. Um, but 
so it, it, it was stuff that people felt they needed. Obviously, a garden fence or fresh paint or flowers or whatever it might be could not be considered essential. It was something that people felt they needed and they probably have felt they've needed it for a long time. There was one person I was speaking to who had an allotment um, and for the last seven weeks he hasn't been able to go to the allotment. So he was the first person in the queue and clearly what he wanted to buy were plants and vegetables so he could get back to what he was what he loved doing. Well you know while I was here it would be a shame to waste the journey. So I got some lavender, some spiky plant that I can't even identify and some compost and some paint. The, the sense you would get from it is that what people were looking for most was something re like a re return to normality, something that they could say, OK, we've, we're through the worst of it and now we're back doing what we like to do. And in a lot of cases, that's gardening. Do you know what? You can see a lot of happy faces around as people buy flowers and plants and compost and all the rest. What else was selling well? Well, as I say, the people I spoke to, there was an awful lot of people buying garden furniture. Now, it just so happened that it was lashing rain and I was looking at them going, lads, could you not have just waited until it was maybe sunny before you raced out to buy your garden furniture? So there was a few, there was several people in the queue who were buying their garden furniture. Then there was uh, there was people buying uh, compost and there was people buying paint. Now, these are things that you can buy in small quantities in big retailers. Like you'd often find compost selling in a big Tesco or in Lidl or in Aldi or wherever it might be. Um, but it was more the specialised equipment that people felt they, they hadn't been able to get. So as I say, garden furniture, fencing, compost and paint were probably the four big sellers. Although I did see one person buying a barbecue, which I thought was very optimistic on a dreary, wet Monday morning. And did you see hordes of under 16s looking like they were mad to get busy with the paintbrush? No. And I, in, fa in fact, if you think about it, the last place that any self-respecting teenager wants to be either on their own or with their parents is in a DIY shop, is in a DIY shop. Nobody likes it. No child likes that. It's a torturous experience for them. And funnily enough, there was nobody uh, there who was under 16. Um, and there are obviously, I think Woody's were the ones who got into a little bit of difficulty over the weekend because initially they said they weren't going to let uh, anyone under 16 in no matter what the circumstances. And then they had to roll back on that because there's an awful lot of solo parents out there who were effectively being told, you're not welcome in our shop if you can't leave your child at home on their own. So they rode back on that and said, of course, they'd welcome people with, with young children, but they had to be accompanied by their parents. Most people were shopping on their own, although there were a couple of people who were shopping in pairs. Now, even though the signs outside the home base that I was in had said one person, uh, only one person allowed in per, you know, per group, um, there were still people shopping in pairs and they weren't being challenged. And I suppose that's a normal thing. But what was interesting was nobody was going in to shop as a leisure pursuit. Nobody was going in to spend a lot of time dawdling on the, on, on the various aisles. Uh, they were all going in very much to get something and then get out. Invalid pin, okay, I'll do, it. I'll do a different one. Sorry, my, my, my mistake. Do you ever think you'd see a day like this? I know, look. It's terrible. It's <laughs> but at least you're open again. That's it. Validating pin, oh, two seconds. Now I'll try that again, sorry. So even the checkout procedure was very different to how it normally is. Instead of just bringing your stuff up to the tills and having it scanned, you queue in an orderly fashion, you go up to a table, the staff member comes from behind the plexiglass screen, scans your stuff, and then goes back behind the plexiglass screen, and then you pay. So the whole process is efficient, but it's just really weird. But you know what, it worked 
unlike my bloody card. <laughs> Um, Connor, this has come not a moment too soon. Uh, we're seeing today a, a yet another survey showing the damage to, to Irish uh, business. Um, and this is the start of a new way to do business in Ireland. You've been looking uh, to, to try and see what that will look like, haven't you? It has. I have. And to be honest, it's not pretty. I mean, obviously, the, the, the biggest crisis that retail in Ireland has faced since the foundation of the state has been the last seven weeks because they're all told to shut. But it's not going to get much easier for retail when they when they're allowed to reopen because the whole world has changed and the whole nature of retail has changed. So one of the things that we're looking at in today's Irish Times is how retail is going to change and and what we can expect. Now the the funny thing is that the silver bullet that retail has had in Ireland for the last decade when it comes to fighting the growth of the online retailers, the likes of ASOS and Amazon and eBay, has been the word experiential. All retailers who have been investing heavily in how in, in the fight against the online retailers have said we in the high street or main street or, uh, or whatever you want to call it, we in the bricks and mortar shops can offer consumers something that no online re- retailer can offer them. And that's an, an experience. It can be tactile, it can be personal, it can be face to face. And now suddenly, after investing all of their energy and all their hope and a lot of their money in this experiential notion, that's the rug is being pulled completely from under them because the last thing anybody wants in the retail space now is face to face unnecessary contact with another human being. And that's probably going to be the case until we get a vaccine or until we get a, an effective treatment for COVID-19. Um, and so one of the things that we're looking at is how what 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 is retail going to look like as it starts to reopen and it's going to look like a, a woodies or home base or b&q there'll be queues outside outside shops there'll be the ma- the management of the flow of people people will not be encouraged to dawdle or stay behind and in fact in some big multinational retailers in Europe that have already opened have taken to giving people buzzers with a 30 minute timer on them and then once the 30 minutes is up a security guard will approach you and tell you to get out or go to the tills to buy your products so the idea that people will be shopping as a leisure pursuit is gone at least in the short term and then another thing that's been happening in in big multinational retailers in 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 across europe has been this incredibly what this incredibly difficult process of managing something that used to be so simple and that simple thing was the changing rooms in the time before coronavirus you'd take your bundle of clothes, you'd go to the changing room, you'd put them on, you'd buy some, you'd discard some and they'd be hung on the racks again. Nobody wants to try on clothes that somebody else has just tried on anymore. So a lot of retailers are having to steam disinfect the clothes that people have been trying on. That obviously is going to have a huge consequence in terms of cost. Similarly, the level of footfall decline is going to be terrible for most high street retailers so in the short term with more people working from home and less people willing to go into towns and people seeking to actively avoid crowds retailers will be looking at a decline in footfall of 30 40 50 percent um, and there aren't very many businesses of any kind that can sustain that kind of collapse in their business for the longer term so retail is going to struggle and i think actually one of the points that a lot of irish retailers have been making is that what irish retail needs is the support of consumers so maybe consumers could take an active decision not to shop with the big overseas multinationals um, and maybe put more effort into shopping locally, which could make a difference in, in, in the short and maybe the medium term. Connor, thanks very much.
Thank you. Thank you very much. My thanks to Declan Conlon for producing today's podcast and thanks for listening. Stay up to date with the latest developments at irishtimes.com. We'll be back tomorrow. Oh, there. Here, I'll take that. I'll have to change transfer the money. I thought so. I might I'll take two seconds, I promise. I thought I...